Prado looking, throws it, alley, oh! Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show, your twice-weekly look at all things hoops. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. If you haven't already, follow us and subscribe on your podcast at Platform of Choice. Five stars only. Hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel as well. And want to say about our partners at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a player prop DFS platform where you can pick more or less than your favorite players across multiple sports, including the NBA and the NFL. Sign up today with our code Just Basketball, all uppercase, all one word, and Thrive will match your first deposit up to two hundred and fifty dollars. That's a great bonus. They have a ton of great things you can pick through there. So again, that's Thrive Fantasy. Just basketball. And if you're interested in some DFS advice, DFS picks, our guy Colby Olson and I are doing videos about that over on the TikTok. For the most recent one, we're recording this before I know how I did, but I went over Maxi and points and over on LeBron combined points, rebounds, assists. And I felt, frankly, pretty good about those picks. Betting against the Jazz is just a winner, I think, every yeah. single time. Like, that yeah. should just kind of be one of the immediate who are the jazz playing is there any individual offensive weapon that you can just over on everything and prosper it's a yeah, good it's a good uh recipe i think also tyrese maxia with the heater he's on to start the year against a team really without a good point of attack defender right now in cleveland of which i it just seemed like a very simple straightforward kind of bet there for me so we'll see all right very hopeful to say right now chris that the Cavs don't have a great point of attack defender right now isaac okura was hurt yeah and how much did he play last playoffs not as much as he should have would be my take okay well i'm just saying it's optimistic guy, i love it i'm happy that, that, that you're that you're still holding out hope yeah him and okogi i'm gonna be there until the, those islands have been obliterated by global warming brendan mm-hmm. good that's me Next to my DN Waiters, next to my house on Waiters Island, which is you know been lost to time and sand and hurricanes and monsoons. So that's tough. Time right. comes for all of us. It, that it does. All right, before we get into the big thrust of today's show, which is Brendan's going to present us top five NBA stats of the year, and then we're going to do a little what are we thankful for in basketball. That's going to be NBA, WNBA, women's college, uh, I'm thankful for a various, two very specific players. I'm thankful for a certain NBA player being very good at a, one certain social media platform. You can probably figure out who that is. But I want to ask you first, Brendan, have you watched it all, or are you at least aware of this David Beckham documentary on Netflix? I am aware. I have not watched. But it's one of those things that everybody is talking about. So I have gotten the autoplay Netflix commercial numerous times at this point and uh yeah it's 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 all the it's all the rage soccer fans love it so it's really good i'm two episodes in and i'm i'm quite enjoying it i'm enjoying some of the behind the scenes stuff i'm enjoying the candidness you're getting from from both david beckham and his wife and a lot of his former teammates many of whom now are, are pundits now and so good at talking it also made me wonder what nba player or basketball player in general could live up to like this kind of documentary with the media circus and all that stuff that is like a cultural icon that had some very 
ups and downs. And there's not there's not quite to me, Brendan, a one to one analogy because the, there's this point in the first episode where Beckham has this right gets sent off against Argentina in a World Cup game, and then he becomes like public enemy number one uh, in in England. Yeah. There's not really like the international, uh, like that 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 kind of thing couldn't quite happen in basketball. It doesn't no. exactly work that same way. But then I was thinking, okay, who has like this certain era? Who had like the who had all of these things that kind of played into him? And there's a darker tinge of it. And, he, and but he, and he's also no longer with us. But Kobe Bryant is the one that I thought would have made the most sense for this this mm. kind of documentary. If you're not going to give him the full Michael one. Or if he doesn't get that, this would be the kind of person I want to like view them aging through that. He would be the one that I would I would have wanted for that. But now I'm also there's got to be there's got to be some other really interesting candidates to do a, a little documentary series and kind of chart them growing and and go through all of this in real time and and at with a high production level, which is because we've seen some more schlocky documentaries of guys in recent years. I won't name names, but you can find them pretty easily. The issue with this is how famous David Beckham is and how famous his wife is. Yes. That's, and that not only are they, there's the international factor, obviously just in that sport, but there's also the international factor in he now lives here and is a major player. Part of of the time. Yeah. He's there. He's here part of the time. Yeah. But he owns Intermediate. I'm not going to get into his living schedule, but my point is he's relevant to Americans in a way that, that helps. So it's it's irrep- it's it's irreplicable if that's a word. Unreplicable, dereplicable, whatever it is. So, but I, the one that comes to mind if we just wanted to Kobe's a great option, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Tony Parker came to mind because he yeah. also has a famous now ex-wife and has the multinational obviously experience as an athlete but i mean look he played for the spurs and he hasn't exactly like remained in the spotlight since retirement i don't know if a tony parker documentary is going to go to number one on netflix i don't think parker uh the five-part miniseries parker is quite gonna do what beckham did but he came to mind because he was a very great player had a lot of living experience in a lot of different spaces and places and is at least good enough, well enough known that it would carry some weight. But the NBA just nobody can do superstar athletes like soccer. There's just no, there's no comp, uh, there's no comparison. No, the other Tony Parker thing. Now that you said him, that clicked into mind for me, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't misremembering this. But do you remember how in 2012 he filed a lawsuit against a nightclub in New York because he was there when there's a Chris Brown, Drake brawl, and he said he almost lost his eye. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah, there's also some some cheating allegations. There's a lot of mess with Tony Parker, um, both his fault and not his fault. And so there's a lot there. There's a lot of meat on the bone. An actual documentarian and journalist who is not just, you know, reading off Wikipedia entries like I just did could do a lot there. I think it's a good selection. The other one. But now I'm a little bit terrified. So, yes, let's let's pivot away from Tony Parker. I've said everything I need to say there. Here's the two other points I want to make. Number one, Yao Ming would also be another one that I would watch. It's not happening. I know. For for lots of reasons. <laughs> yeah, this is not happening. Chinese government reasons, yes. 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 The but current that, 
president of the Chinese Basketball Association who has extreme and direct ties to the government. Yeah, that's that's not they're not going to Netflix is not going to have an exclusive uh, production team walking around with Yao every day. Unfortunately, it would be an awesome one, though. Dirk would be one other one, I think. Because it doesn't have the celebrity thing is hard to get to. It's kind of hard to match again anyone with that. That's a great point on your part, but I would look at that. The other part of this is, um, Brennan, do you are you aware of? I, I believe you're also you're a fan of. You've seen this man in TV shows like Succession, and he's been in a bunch of um, Wes Anderson movies. Are you aware of who directed? Who's like the the man behind the the Beckham? Documentary? Yeah, remind me of his name. Fisher He's Stevens, a, yeah, Hugo, he, yeah, Hugo. So my uh, best friend works at near the World Trade Center in downtown New York and has on, I believe, multiple occasions seen Fisher Stevens and Leonardo DiCaprio taking a walk along the Hudson River on like a midday lunch, like get some fresh air, little trapes together. Just those two. So Fisher Stevens is absolutely out here. Is in other yeah. words, he he's well connected. He's a he's a soccer documentarian. He is the guy who made us think that Kendall was going to end up with the company because they had their little connection going in the final season. And apparently, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's right hand man in real life. He's just yes. doing it all. Yes, it's great. So he should direct. Yao. Is what you're saying. Dirk. Probably Dirk. Okay, Dirk. All right. Dirk's not cool enough. I'm sorry. It'll be like Boris him Diaw? and the... No. <laughs> you're asking me if Boris Diaw is on the level of David Beckham? I, I think we've, just, we've, crossed, just, we've crossed into a I, too small niche Brennan, here. The, the reality is that like the, I think the actual answer is someone who's... It's, it, it would be Kobe, and it's just not... Like that's obviously just not an option. So I don't like yeah. unless it's like who who among like the later stage stars now could it be like is it Curry? But he's got his app. He already had the Apple no. one. Is it Clay's not quite at that level? Kyrie is like much too complicated. The one that came to mind before you said Kobe, and I think Kobe's just a good version, better version of is Carmelo Anthony, also Actually, celebrity yeah, wife, uh, and yeah. you know has some you know just personal life stuff that could be interesting and is a is, super kind of smart, well-spoken guy that's connected around the league. You could get other yeah. athletes to talk about him. He's one of those underrepresented or sort of underrated, but players love him kind of guys. Um, yeah, I think, think I think I, Mello could be an answer. I kind of think Mello is actually answered for everything you just said, but he's also going through this thing kind of like how Beckham goes through in this documentary where he is kind of around New York more in a way that he wasn't always. Now, it, mm -hmm. like that relationship seems a little healthier than it was at certain times. Yeah. So I'm 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 into the mellow one. Recent right. hot one to guess, Carmelo Anthony. So mellow on Netflix, directed by Fisher Stevens, coming to your Netflix app in fall of 2024, and we're executive uh, producing. Fall? Well, yeah, yeah, we're exactly executive producing. No free ideas here. All right. Anyway, on to Top of NBA stats. Number one, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's absolutely insane, and it is regarding the Oklahoma City Thunder, who once employed Carmelo Anthony. Mm -hmm. The Thunder are top three in half-court offense and half-court defense this season in terms of per 100 possessions efficiency. They are a top three half-court offense and defense. 
And we talked about this earlier in the week, Chris, but that's exactly why I think you're seeing Chet Holmgren in the top 10 of a stat like estimated plus minus. Mm-hmm. And some of that kind of unexpected stat darling type of stuff for him and, and a lot of other guys on this team. But especially with him, a lot of those stats factor in on off. And they were not an amazing kind of overall team last year. They had very clear weaknesses. And as we expected and projected, Chet has just slid perfectly into all of those voids and lifted them to a team that, I mean, right now there's nothing about the Oklahoma City Thunder that would tell you they're not a championship contender. And that number just feels like the chef's kiss version. That's the number one bullet point you would list if you were just writing somebody an email to convince them that the Oklahoma City Thunder can win the NBA championship. Top three in half-court offense and defense. Like, there's there's no hole to poke there. That team is just legit. We did. We talked about them at contenders tier. There's not really anything I feel bad about other than youth and maybe, like, some spacing stuff right now. But even if you just go down, Brendan, like... Like, Isaiah Joe would be key piece for a bunch of other teams, and they got him on the scrap heap. And it's just like he's additive to them, and Shea's doing what he's doing, and Chet has hit this ground. Like that team is just... I I have no notes on this. Like, the fact, but the fact that they... The, the, honestly, Brennan, the, the fact that it's top three half-court offense is maybe the most impressive part of that to me, because that that is, like, usually I feel something I kind of defer to older more kind of established teams in certain ways having that stuff and they're this young team that's got got like a rookie and they're just like sure Mm -hmm. let's go they were 16th last season they've added over six points per hundred possessions to their offensive rating in the half court and to your point they do turn the ball over more than some teams and they don't get a lot of rebounds so some of the kind of younger team mistakes are still here for them, but they're rolling anyway. And Chet's a big reason why, but really if you look at the on and off stuff, it's, it's just Shea. It's, it's just when, when he's out there, they're incredible. And when he's not, they're worse. The minutes with Jalen Williams, have actually been better than the minutes with Chet, but kind of no matter how you slice it, everybody's contributing. They have an identity they feel like a contender ahead of schedule for sure. Number two, Mitchell Robinson is averaging six offensive rebounds per game so far this year and has 29 more total offensive rebounds than anybody else in the National Basketball Association. Six per game. You don't have any Mitchell Robinson thoughts? This dude killed your team, Chris. Start crying or something. This is a performance for you. No, 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 no. Not performative in that way. I thought you were still talking. That's why I wasn't saying anything. I thought you had to leave me somewhere. He's just gobbling these up. I have another backup stat for you, too, which is who's number two in this total offensive rebound category. But give me your your Mitchell Robinson thoughts because he's a monster. There's been times, Brennan, where I have thought, Isaiah Hartenstein was like the better center than him just because I like the playmaking 
and I kind of feel like even with if you look at Mitchell Robinson's like shooting numbers for the year, he's like leaving food on the table as far as like two point percentage. There feels like there's like another bump for him coming just if he keeps up this offensive rebounding rate, which is like a big jump from where he was last year, and finishes at a at a more normal clip for himself. That guy's just going to be a problem for not just like a team like Cleveland or any of these other teams in the middle of the East, but like that's going to be on the game plan in a playoff series for the Knicks. And if that's maybe a small way, they're a little more dangerous than last year without having to make any trades. That's a big dub. I I really like I I have as you watch him, you watch how physically is, watch how he uses his frame. He's just he's just like an artist at this very specific thing. That guy rocks. I want to see him. I want to see him like defend small ball five Giannis in like a second round playoff series or something. I think that'd be cool. yeah. I mean, a fully healthy year for him, where he can start to make good on. I mean, pre pre draft, and he had a really weird college experience at I believe it was Western Kentucky, and then he was like had eligibility stuff and wanted to transfer and ended up a second round pick and dealt with injuries like this has kind of been a, a very slow launch for him but if he can finally get his legs under him play a lot of minutes and and develop you are talking about a guy who can he's not just that but we'll see two more quick offensive rebounding stats just since we're on the topic number two who i told you i would give you do you have any guesses it is not a center so like that's I'm not just going to yeah. be like, oh, it's Rudy I, Gobert. No, that I, wouldn't be crazy. It's it's somebody I, that would kind of surprise you. I'm wondering. I, I, no, I don't. I feel like you're going to tell me and I'm going to be mad that I didn't think of it. Just tell me who it is. Asar Thompson. <laughs> I'm actually really mad that I didn't think of that because that guy is just everywhere. That guy is absurd. That guy is like, like might F around one day and get a five by five game. Yeah. Asar Thompson has more offensive rebounds than Mark Williams, Kevon Looney, Rudy Gobert, DeMontis Sabonis, Clint Capella, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, like, and he's like 6'5". Um, the other thing is New York is actually not number one in offensive rebounding rate in the NBA. It's just a, a tinge below the other team. But they're number two to the Utah Jazz, who have, have not had Walker Kessler for like half their games and play very small and yet somehow are just destroying the offensive glass. The Utah Jazz are a very strange team. All right. The number three craziest stat of the NBA season so far. Two players shooting basically 50% from three have one particular bond between the two of them. They are Dylan Brooks and RJ Barrett. Mm -hmm. Both Canadian, of course. (laughs) both picking up where they left off in the FIBA World Cup, where both, I think, shot better than expected. Which one of these would you bet more money to continue? I'm going to go Dylan Brooks. I don't know why, but I just like that. I know why, because he's a better shooter than RJ Barrett. <laughs> he's also just, he also just like feels like he is in a zone right now. He is absolutely just in this zone where I think he feels... Like, he's using the cheat. Not that he wasn't doing this before, but I feel like after how Memphis ended, he even has more of a chip on his shoulder, which I didn't really totally know was possible. And that guy just looks very locked in. He looks very dedicated. Certainly the paycheck probably helps, but that guy is absolutely cooking. I think some players uh, need a coach that believes in them. I think that the level in which Ime Udoka believes in Dylan Brooks might actually have crossed over to being too much. It's too much love. 
he's letting this guy play like it's a, a YMCA. Like some of the shots, I mean, it's always been that way with Dylan Brooks. I guess I'm not going to blame Emir Doka too much, but to your point, now that he's actually like seeing the ball go in the net, he's like, oh, nothing's stopping me. Like there is nothing holding me back now. I'm taking any and every single shot that I want to take and I'm going to get as many minutes as I want because we are not, we do not own our first round pick and it is off to the races here. All right, number four, the Golden State Warriors, fourth Boy. slowest offense in the NBA so far this season. Is that Chris being... Paul's music I hear, Brendan? Is that it is, what after I hear? being yeah. second fastest last year. Chris Paul, baby. Not that Chris Paul all. and no Draymond Green. Uh-huh. I think those are the two ingredients between the suspension and the injury for Draymond and then a bunch of Chris Paul. But regardless of whose fault it is or why it's happening, that is not going to make them the best possible version of themselves. And we just know that for a fact. So that has to change. They have to play faster one way or another. And if it means playing Chris Paul less or using him as a trade chip, if things continue to be rocky for them as a team, like they, they're still in their championship window and taking one of the core ingredients of who they are as a team out of their team. It, it, it's just, it's shooting yourself in the foot. This is this is pretty crazy. This might this maybe should have been first. I'm also just a little bit worried about Clay Thompson. Just a little bit. Is there anybody it's, or anything that you're a lot worried about? Yeah, the the sanity of every single Detroit Pistons fan in the greater Detroit area, for one. Okay. That's number one. Number two, worried about Washington Wizards fans worried about worried about the Bulls doing some not doing something dumb. Okay. Like there, there's some things that have like real things that could go wrong, but like Clay Thompson, it's like it's a little worried because I don't expect them to. Like you'd expect it to get somewhat better, but if it continues, then like we're gonna go from being like a three and a half to like above a five. You know, the dial's gonna. The get problem turned. with the problem with Clay is we. We're talking about they needed to find something to take them from where they were last year up a level. He's a a level down from where he was. So is Andrew Wiggins. Chris Paul's helping in his own way, but not really solving their core issue of offensive creation for for yourself as a scorer. And Draymond has been, you know, MIA. So the clay thing is not the sole problem. And I agree his shots will go in, but somebody needs to be better than they were in last year's playoffs and none of them are even where they were so far. So it's, uh, and even it's getting scary over there. And if even you're going to say, okay, one of the young guys steps it up in some way, like move, like it's not that, but it's not at that level. Like even if they're getting good minutes from some of these guys or like stuff, which like they are already. Right. I mean, they're getting fine minutes from Moody and Kaminga, but again, it's like, okay, but you're talking about like, you're going to go up against the Phoenix suns or the Denver nuggets. It's not, those guys aren't elevating at the level that it needs to if you're going to have the slippage into the fronts, 100%. Number five, your backyard. Uh Uh-oh. The Cleveland Cavaliers are 27 points better per 100 possessions with Max Schroes on the court this season. He, Brendan, he's been really good. Like, Oh, I uh, yes. I like, mean, I think he's like, a very good player, but that status, <laughs> that's another level beyond very good player. That's like, he, why, are, why is it like this? <laughs> well, but it, it, there, I think there's like a very simple reason you could look at this and say, like, this is how this happens. This is kind of what happens when you have Max Struess 
and you're a team in Cleveland last year who just like didn't have a lot of shooting and didn't have a lot of people that could run off screens and and all this stuff, and they're just like, hey, now we have a guy that can do that. It makes things function better. It just it's like it's kind of like a base requirement, I think, to be a functional NBA offense at the highest level now is to have someone who can do stuff off ball and take threes and is confident. And Max Drews is that, and he's playmaking, and he just fits in well with everybody. He's been really good and if you just watch how the Cavs are running offense right now they have added stuff in the playbook I think only because Max Struess is around like that is like good. there's stuff in the playbook that is only possible because they added some I mean you're paying him 16 like million dollars a year or whatever it is it's good money Mitchell Struess Lavert, Niang Mobley that small ball lineup with Mitchell and no Garland is plus 46 per 100 possessions and 62 possessions played so far this year so to to you did ask me, Brendan, if there's anything that I'm like majorly worried about. Uh, I would be, I'm very hyper concerned that George Niang is just not going to be able to play after like the first five minutes he's in in a playoff game. Yeah, well, I would. There's a game log you can look at in the past of his career that might just you don't it, it'll at least ease up your anxiety because it'll just give you your answer well, it's it's not even but luckily the Cavs aren't I mean like he's probably not like a second or third round player but the Cavs don't have to worry about that right well they, they have goals to work that way and then you're getting again, there's kidding. more and more Brendan there's more and more chatter that Dan Gilbert's like a little more around this season and that only means that only means people get fired usually so Max Struess is probably the one of the best bang for your buck kind of return on investment free agent signings of the offseason, I would say. Just in terms yeah. of team that really needed him, went out and did what it took, got him on a reasonable contract, and he's doing exactly what they wanted. Like that's it's exactly what teams hope for in free agency. So I think we definitely got it right when we were talking about the Heat last offseason when we went through all those guys who had been on their team in the past and their kind of trajectories after leaving Miami. And we discussed Struess and Vincent, and we were like, I think Struess could keep it up. Probably not Vincent now. Gabe Vincent's been hurt, but we were right on that. I think Struess' skill set transfers in a way that makes him valuable outside of Miami. Gabe Vincent may be more like the previous generation of, of former Heat players who kind of bombed elsewhere. We'll see, but... Should we uh, should we do an episode that is bang, the ranking like the best bang for your buck for agents from last summer so far? Should we do that sometime in December, maybe? Maybe a segment. I'm not sure how many there are. The NBA doesn't really do free agents anymore, well, unfortunately. You know, we can talk about what Bruce Brown's doing in Indiana and if like they're getting a lot. Of, we could just like, like just kind of look at them. You know, look yeah. at some of the, no, the contracts I think, that. No, I think I think we curious. definitely could. All right, sounds like something we could do in December when post like we're 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 close to the in season tournament NBA Cup. Like it's like gonna sneak up on us, and I'm kind of I'm pretty excited about it, Brendan. Got to tell you, but after that, we're gonna get into like a week where it's it's a little lead up to Christmas, and I'm excited. It's gonna be fun, but the, I'm curious to see what this the schedule feels like after. And the, our and we are going to be bringing you Bruce Brown and Max Struess content. Hey, you know what? When you when you subscribe or listen to a channel called Just Basketball, I think you know what you're getting into. You know, you do, you do. We could talk about screens, you know. We could, t- I mean, we we could talk about the Pistons and just uh, th- them being inept, you know. I'd rather not. I, I I put one of the prominent 
people involved there out of sight, out of mind in about May, and I've I've yeah. left him there. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. All right, time to be thankful. Time to be thankful. All right, so what we're going to do here is just rapid fire back and forth a little bit through some different things in the wide world of basketball. We are thankful for this Thanksgiving. If you have your own, tweet us, comment on YouTube, do all that stuff. But I'm going to start with a, a funny one. And that's that so Kevin Durant. I'm, I'm just glad this guy just can't quit Twitter. Never let him quit Twitter. And this is most recently because he was not adding anyone, but calling out the weirdos who have things to say to him in his DMs when their bets don't hit because he doesn't do a certain thing. So this is what he tweeted. When I get you paid, you don't DM me and send a small percentage to my cash app. Well, also love that he's a cash app man. But when them parlays don't hit, I'm, an, I'm every name in the book. Y'all ain't real. Kevin Durant, you're speaking an absolute truth there. That's one of the things I don't like about sports betting is that people just like direct their anger at like athletes and can do so and obviously yeah. in Twitter. I think that's super weird. But the fact that Kevin Durant is just super aware and just like says things that are accurate sometimes on Twitter amid all the other things Kevin Durant does on Twitter. I, I just love that we have a filter like that. Like it, he is him on Twitter is the most unfiltered you're ever going to get an athlete. And I, I'm going to miss it when it no longer when we, when we have when he's gone out of the league and, and doesn't need to do this ever again. Is he going to tweet more or less when he's not in the league anymore? I mean, is Twitter? I mean, Brendan, is Twitter going to be around? Is X going to be around at that point? Like, I don't know. Is he going to thread uh, more or less after he's retired? He's just like I'm. Kevin Durant's doing TikToks. I'm actually. This is a tangent, but I'm pretty fascinated by like some of this generation that was around during like the explosive growth of the NBA. It's very strange to imagine them doing the jobs that used to be there for former NBA players. Like is Kevin Durant going to do color commentary for like the golden state warriors? No, no, no. So it's, well, it's like sort of, even, even someone like impossible to imagine. Has, like, well, even someone like Roy Hibbert who like washed out of league, like he's, he didn't, he's not doing TV stuff. He has his own YouTube channel and it's pretty good mm -hmm. actually. Like Roy Hibbert's out here like making content. Yeah. But like, I mean, so like Kevin Durant has the boardroom, he has his investments. Is that it? Like, is he going to just sort of fade into the distance? Cause he doesn't really have to continue to make money. He's probably gonna, like he, he's going to, there's a lot he's of, gonna do, he's going to do him and chill Brendan. Yeah, I think so. All right. My number one, I'll just, start us off a little bit more simple because some of mine are bigger conversations so let's keep it let's keep it loose it's like the beginning of the thanksgiving meal when you sit down with family and it's just catching up it's niceties it's it's not like how was your like you know health scare in july grandma it's like hey how are you and so caitlin clark mm -hmm. i'm thankful for caitlin clark for a lot of reasons one she's like the most easy watch and i mean that in terms of like she's easy to watch fun to watch but also like you know if you turn on an lsu game you're going to be entertained sorry lsu i'm clearly uh getting my you're thinking powerhouses thinking switched up well, you're I'm thinking you're, of you're just you you're kim mulkey and uh her saying yeah. weird stuff in front of a mic and angel reese and and andrew's mom uh arguing with people on twitter uh who are yeah gonna keep it gonna keep it positive yeah. on today's show so i'm not thankful for kim mulkey but Anytime you turn on an Iowa game, you just know you're going to be entertained because she's involved every single second of the game. She's doing insane stuff. She is the most in control of her team's destiny of like any player that I can remember. It's just sort of crazy that she, that she kind of like 
got a coach to let her do this, I would say, in, in one hand, but also, of course, a, a mind-bending talent and somebody who's very cool to watch and cool to think about in the future. We have the NBA draft, WNBA draft lottery coming up in like three weeks. We'll see kind of where she might be headed then. And by next year, we will see her probably start to dominate the WNBA and take it to uh, its next chapter. So I'm ready for all the Caitlin Clark future wrinkles. But in the moment right now, I'm just turning on Iowa games and honestly just like giggling to myself because she's insane. Am I going off that? I have one that is just that we are living in the boom of women's basketball. Kaylin Clark is, I think, at the tip of that spear. But it's not just her. It's Angel Reese. It is Paige Beckers. It is the super team is in the W, led by Asia Wilson, led by Brianna Stewart. It is growing ratings. It is growing awareness. It is, it is expanding into new markets. It is the global growth of this game. And I don't think we should just take it for granted. This is, this is a moment where we don't often, Brandon, I think, realize sometimes when we're living through something monumental. Like you look back and be like, man, I wish I would have maybe thought about this more, or take better notes, or watch this a little more closely, and really understood that I was living and observing something in real time. Caitlin Clark is is a big part of that, right? Because you're never gonna. I mean, the odds of us seeing anything like her ascension in college again are incredibly low. That's a one of one college superstar in, in so many different ways. But we're this this boom for women's basketball right now, and, and as it continues to grow, and the league gets in the W in particular gets to where it can get we shouldn't take for granted that, that this is just going to keep happening. Like you have to, I think, appreciate it right now. And it's making the game so accessible. It's making the game at a higher level. It's raising the stakes. It's giving the players careers and financial opportunities that they wouldn't have had before. This is an amazing time for that part of the sport, a sport that has long been undervalued and overlooked. And it's, it's cool for us, I think, to see that and to get in with, with Clark in particular and this whole class that's going to come in, in the draft next year. That, that that's like that's like 20 2003 like vibes of star talent coming into to the, to the league mm-hmm. that we shouldn't take that for granted either no it's it's a lot of dominoes falling at the right time it's the super teams followed by a generational draft with you know budding stars already in the league and and it's sort of just clicking on all cylinders right now in a way that you don't worry that it's going to crash. I think it is just on an upward trajectory. All right. You want to go to your next one? That was kind of a both of us. Yeah. Uh, Mine is just that I'm thankful for Anthony Edwards. I'm just thankful for every single bit of this guy. His personality is for one, just charismatic and he's funny. I saw this clip of him. Like they asked him, what can't you do? And he said, I can't beat the wizards. I'm 0 six against them. And he was just like having fun with, I love that. He even knows that. Yeah, it's amazing that he just like had that like like that was his instinctual answer was I have not beaten the Washington Wizards in my three year NBA career and I can't do it and he's just having fun with it. Like we are watching a superstar on and off the court grow, Brendan, and expand and rise in front of us in real time. He's adding new parts to his game this year. Like the the, the passes he's hitting Gobert with on slips are amazing. Like I think it it's gotten to a level where it's it's a real tool for him in a way I didn't think it was before. I, I, I just want to be along for this ride and observe the skyrocket, the rocket ship this dude is on right now because I it is it is not a new take for the show, but I'm just thankful for that guy because he is charismatic. He's everything you could want in a young superstar, 
and it's very rare i think today especially in in the the way that media works you don't get guys that are this kind of raw and this you kind of feel like you kind of know them with some degree like i don't feel like i know we have like a good read on like shay or and I like pick another like young uh, he wears skims super he does wear skims that that i do know that about him i guess also apparently he lived in a house owned by like a former crypto scammer but that's that's maybe my instagram's lying to me the the whole thing right now is like we don't get to know these guys in the same way i think we would have 10 years ago like anthony edwards by now would have had like a lee jenkins si profiler or chris ballard si profiler like an espn the magazine feature that would have the john krasinski one was really good right so you get that but it's like you don't get them in the same regularity anymore. Kind of updates throughout yeah. the career. You have you have to. You're really relying on players to want to be open with you and kind of tell you a little bit about themselves. Ant is one of the few guys in the whole league that I think really does just present himself as who he is, at least from what we can tell. And I love that. He is at 24 percent assist rate this year, which would be a mile past his previous career high. And the threes are still going in 37% from deep. Like as a basketball player, the leap is here and the personality, it's just, it's almost like the basketball is catching up. Like we knew this guy was going to be a star. It was just a matter of time. And here it is big game on Friday for the wolves, by the way, they are tied with the Kings in the end season tournament standings and they play each other on Friday night. So that might be the Kings game. We talk about next week, give us an excuse to, get two birds with one stone there um all right my i'll piggyback off that the next generation of nba talent is something i'm thankful for last off season or even through last regular season we started to worry about the 2019 draft that was supposed to be the future of the league with zion and jaw going at the top of it <clears throat> And they each have had injury situations, off-court situations, team success, inconsistencies that I think scared some people. And it's not just the standings. It's Nike and Jordan have a lot of money invested into these people, and that trickles into who cares about basketball and what players are famous and, and popular and which aren't. And... The league cares as far as who it markets and who it can count on being recognizable in a in a generation where, you know, ESPN's ticker doesn't say like Thunder versus Wolves anymore. It says Shea versus Ant now. You know what I mean? That matters. And so I think this year has just solidified that we're fine. The league's in good hands. The talent is overwhelming. Anthony Edwards is just one ingredient in that, but you have Victor Wembanyama, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, I would include the entirety of the Oklahoma City Thunder roster. I think you could put on that list of just incredible, entertaining athletes in this league who carry themselves well, compete at an incredibly high level, and care about bringing kind of the league forward in different ways. Like all those people I just listed are, are going to do interviews. They're going to do commercials. They're, they're friendly. They're involved around where they are. And, and I'm not trying to pit, say that Zion and Jar are like the only two people in the whole league who have ever gotten on the wrong side of that. But I feel great about where this is all headed. And, and there's been a lot of breakouts already in the first 10, 15 games where I'm like, we're good. And I didn't even say a lot of names I probably could have said. 
I think there's names you could say that are like going to have sometimes difficult times like making all-star teams because the competition mm-hmm. is like just going to be loaded at their position. And I mean, I you don't have him on your list in our doc, but it's like Devin Booker should be on that list to me. Like I know he's a little bit yeah. older than those guys, but it's like that that like you're in this he's going to be one of those guys that as Durant and Curry and LeBron obviously like age even more than they already have. Booker's going to be part of that superstar where he's just he's just that that's one of the guys Luca I think is in that class like obviously in that class as well they're going to be kind of like in between some of the really young guys we're talking about and then like the Jokic Giannis and B class like there's that also really great kind of late 20 somethings class of guys as well that is and there's other names we could have thrown in there too the league I think Brennan from top to bottom plus Cooper flag I mean you can't forget him yeah, just no more photo shoots with Duke. That was that was a tough look for 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 some of the vibes there. Just um, PR advice: don't don't do things with pitchforks as a white man in the south. <laughs> um, I I think like overall, Brennan, top to bottom, the league is in just a place where I I think the talent and the personalities you have are. I, it, it feels like in such a healthy place from a from a who the people are in the league right now perspective. I mean. You just the the personalities are unique. You're getting different kinds of players. You're getting superstars in in markets that are not traditional like hotbeds. Like the fact that you have this Oklahoma City team in Oklahoma City is really unique. And you have Halliburton in Indiana, and you have Ant in Minnesota. Like you you have Wembenyama back in San Antonio, which is like a aside from the Popovich era, like never been a, a real. That's not a hotbed destination, but he is. He can. He makes it that again when it hasn't been in some time. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get expansion. This the league just feels in like such a growth moment that uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. But it's because of the, the star talent they have right now. That that is what drives it more than anything else. It kind of feels like from the market standpoint, we're we're getting to the point where a lot of media pundit people tried to say we were a while ago. Maybe like when LeBron went back to Cleveland or things like that, where it's like, oh, the market doesn't matter anymore. And it's like, and then it kind of did because, you know, Kawhi went to LA, KD went to New York, LeBron went to LA, and the chips kind of fell where they typically have fallen. But, you know, you can be Tyrese Halliburton and, you know, be on JJ Reddick's podcast and they're only on national TV once, but I feel like most NBA fans know who Tyrese Halliburton is, you know? Um, so I think we're, we're headed in that direction. I mean, even Zion and Ja, you know, it's Memphis and new Orleans. It's not exactly like those guys were being pinned as the next people because they played in like Miami and Dallas. It was, it was very, very small for them too. And they were able to rise to the top and, and be, you know, generational kind of hype, hype guys in their own right coming from South Carolina. Like, you know, I think we're, that's another cool aspect of it is you don't have to kind of come up through the, you know, New York high school Duke drafted to the Lakers pipeline to be able to be the face of a league, get a shoe, you know, be on the next NBA and season tournament commercial in an oversized suit. Like you can, you can do it from wherever. Uh, All right. What's your next one? I'm going to go with LeBron James. I This is the most Chris Homer pick I possibly could do, but like the, we're not going to have him for much longer. We're just not. Like time, no matter how much longer he says he might want to play and all of that, I just like I can't believe that he's going to hang on and like do more than hang on, obviously, than 
for like that much longer. Like he is old now. It has been over two decades with this man, and he's still awesome. He's not the best player in the world anymore, but that guy is still incredible and does things that are breathtaking. And Brendan, frankly, I also just want the, the corny side of LeBron. I, I'm going to miss it. This guy is oftentimes unintentionally just the corniest person that has ever existed. Uh, this this week, I keep seeing this clip of him doing a backwood celebration with Christian Wood, which is just like hilarious to watch LeBron like doing like the like he's pulling, he's smoking a blunt, and I'm just like LeBron. This like the like, and then like, did you see the back and forth with him and Stephen A. Smith on Twitter over it? <laughs> I did. I did I because did Stephen A. is obviously well known for his you know stay off the weed catchphrase, and he's tweeted quote tweeted a clip of that celebration and said LeBron like don't even make me say it and then LeBron like filled in the gap you know stay off the and whatever and then they they had a nice chuckle so basically what I'm saying is he relates to Stephen A. Smith who's close to 60 more than like probably the rookies in the NBA and that just you know goes back to the corniness I think uh that you're that you're talking about but yeah I like this version I do too I it's it's a different side of him I, I kind of just want him on the grand stage as much as we can get it just one or two more times. I don't know how much I believe that that's possible, but I'd like to see him at least get to try. And I, I just also just love that. Like, I thought the Rui comments this week about him and Dylan Brooks were just really funny. Like, I didn't see him. It, uh, Rui talked to basically how, like, Dylan Brooks is trying to, like, create something and LeBron's like seen all this before that like basically in in the span of LeBron's vast career Dylan this Dylan Brooks stuff is like really significant but like absolutely Dylan Brooks is going to be like seven minutes in LeBron documentary probably will be I think that goes back to the thing I was saying about Udoka and and Dylan Brooks I don't know why he left I know this is not the point of what you're saying but he left Dylan Brooks on LeBron for like the whole game after starting Jabari Smith on him and then that made Dylan Brooks start taking bad shots because he legitimately thinks he's as good as LeBron James is, you know, and uh, he's like, I'll beat him, whatever. And then LeBron drops 37 because again, to your point, he is a, some sort of Terminator man that has been sent to the NBA to destroy it for 20 years. Do you know what he's shooting from two this year so far? I looked at it the other day and I have forgotten it, but I remember just kind of 68%. It's, it's absurd. It's absurd. Which, of course, is not going to hold. But if it did anywhere near hold, it would be a mile past his previous career high, which was 62. His first year, or second year as a Laker when he was playing a bunch of center. Um, 68% from two at age 39 going on 40. Crazy. The Just the fact that he also just keeps, like, even if it's not as... Like, he's obviously, like, so far past his athletic peak, but yet he's still capable of things that, like, a lot of NBA players never can do. It's it's just, it's a, he's, I'm going to miss, I'm going to, like, that's also when I'm going to feel especially old, but when he is gone, it's going to be like, I just, like, it'll, it's going to mark, it's truly going to be, like, an era thing, where it's like, when he is gone, you're going to be like, man, I, should I, you should watch this guy more just because this is, I think it would have been hard to watch LeBron much more than you, so I hope you don't have that regret. Uh, I hear. Can I? To be, if I'm being candid about it, I don't think I watched him enough during the Miami era. You were bitter. I don't know if I was bitter, but it was like I was in high school. So it's like, how much am I like always like cruising around watching hoops? And then I go into college, and I had like you're just busy. So it's like that just mm. became something that slipped a little bit. But then you get to the playoffs. I would say that's when I watched him most. 
or at least that's like the most kind of that's the version that i connect to the most which i know is obviously not going to be the case for you but yeah uh i mine's mine's like 20 when he gives you 20 years Mine's 2018 yeah. LeBron. That LeBron season's so funny. It's that there's so much in that season that is just hysterical. And when he's around for 21 years, I feel like we all we got our fill. But I get you. You're like when there's zero remaining games to consume, you're yeah. you're gonna feel a little it, bit of that, you know, regret. I it just the fact that he is still doing what he's doing at his age. Just we might never we like might not see this ever again. And just to think about him being where he's at. And what he's so capable of, it's like we project. Like there's been all the talk with with Vic about, okay, can he? Is he the the, the best NBA prospect since LeBron? To like match LeBron's career, it, like you you have to really look at him. Be like that's that's an insane thing to ask anyone to match, much less like a 19 year old. Like you know what I mean? It's like it it's just it's a one of one career that in some ways I just. I, I just so odd. if you look at it, it's encompassing. It's it's amazing. Awesome. How are you going to feel when Luca breaks the scoring record? I, I don't have like an emotional. I, I, I I'm I just kidding. Have... I, I think he's the most likely guy to do it of whoever is in the league right yeah. now. But I I don't think it's going to happen. Um, no, he would need Luca would have to like seriously just have us like a couple summers of like no hookah Luca and just coming in in great shape and like ripping off sixty pieces because I don't know if mm-hmm. Luca's playing two decades. No. I don't think anyone's playing two decades, you know? I think it takes an insane type of brain to want to. And that's the ingredient that is maybe the least... spent on his rehab physical care. Exactly. But it's like, there's a lot of people who, especially with how much athletes make these days, it's like, for what? Why am I going to kill myself every day for 20 years? I mean you do it because you're the number one overall scorer and you're, you know, argument for the greatest player of all time, but it takes a, it takes a certain type of person to even care enough or want it enough to, to play that long at any level, let alone being as good as he still is. Um, all right. Five out basketball. Yeah. I was thinking about this, watching the jazz sons doubleheader over the weekend. And then I was thinking about how many more teams are playing this way now than we realize. I think it kind of has snuck up on us a little bit, but it's in large part because of the bigs developing enough skill to make it possible. I think we all just assumed like the future would be like a bunch of Ryan Anderson's out there. And it is not. It took guys like Porzingis, Markinen, Holmgren, you know, even like Miles Turner. And then there are some teams who just play super small, the Nets, the Clippers, whatever. But it's it's cool. And it kind of, I'll just do these together because the other one I had left was Variety. And I just love the place that the league is in right now where, yes, a lot of, you know, in, in a lot of cases, you're talking about pace and space, get up threes, you know, skilled size wins. A lot of the core principles of how you're going to win in the NBA right now are obviously the same because the league is what it is in this current moment in time and you have to beat the best to, to win a championship. But how teams are getting there, how they're building rosters is all different the best player on any of the championship contenders we could go through. Matt, like, just think of how different all those guys are. How different Tyrese Halliburton is from Kevin Durant. Or how different Donovan Mitchell is from 
I mean, Chad Holmgren, right? Like there are just such variety in terms of how you're getting that job done. And the fact that so many teams now with young coaches, especially are just saying, screw it. Let's, let's try five out. We have the roster. We have the shooting. Let's just see what happens is another cool little wrinkle that I think is going to maybe ripple outward from there over the next few years. And maybe I have a list of six teams that I feel like do it consistently. Maybe it's 12 in a few years, but there will also be other teams still playing through big men and, and different you know types of styles too. It's, it's just a very cool kind of moment in time as the evolution of, we know we need to do these core things, but like, how do we want to do that is really fun to watch. Well, and the kinds of players we're getting, I think is also Brendan just, dictating a lot of this right like you're getting really funky you're getting like non-traditional skill sets for for a bit for different kinds of players right like look at the spurs they're like inverted in a lot of these with Wembenyama and then sohan like running a lot of point and then you have the thunder who just like have chet holmgren at center and he's like the skinniest dude and yet he's playing the five and you look around the league there's a lot like a lot of the centers now run a little bit leaner. They're a little quicker, but they're still doing some traditional center things. And then you, then you know, then you have guys that are one of one, like obviously Jokic, and you're you're getting these these players that are just so like they. I, I'd be curious to see like when guys that are like in, like Cooper Flag is like a good example of this. It's like guys who are that age now and they're in the league in a couple of years. Okay, like what were you watching that led you to kind of be? But I think we're seeing that honestly. Like I think yeah, I think like somebody like Halliburton or. The way that these guys Thompson. are so comfortable, yeah, the Thompson twins, like the way that you're just seeing that comfort making decisions in the blink of an eye and playing basketball like it's a Hail Mary on a football field at all times is, it is that byproduct, but you're absolutely right that more is going to come, you know? And when every player in the league grew up watching this iteration of NBA basketball, what does that look like? But yeah. the part that came to mind when you said it is actually too how the the non-shooters have been able to fit better now. And, you know, I'm, I made the joke about like we all thought it would be a bunch of Ryan Andersons and how it's not going to be that. But we also, I think, all assumed that somebody like Asar Thompson would have no place in the NBA. Get out. If you can't shoot the ball, you're banished. We're not even going to consider you. But by having so much ball handling and shooting and IQ at every position now, we're sort of like working our way back into like, okay, maybe these guys can fit. And if you're smart enough and good enough to make that happen and use your other talent to allow those guys to be the best versions of themselves, even if they're not great shooters, those guys are having a little bit of a renaissance in their own way, or at least we're seeing new ways to use them like Gary Payton, and Bruce Brown being centers, you know what I mean? Or running your offense through Alper and Shengun. And then maybe you can have a, you know, a men Thompson brought in because, well, if your center can do all this and you, and he can shoot and play make, then maybe you can have a non-shooter like Thompson and use him in, in creative ways. And it's just cool to watch all the ebbs and flows of this because, you know, it probably was never real, but people on national TV and otherwise spent a lot of wasted air saying that this league was like headed toward a bunch of everybody doing the same thing, bombing threes and playing boring yeah, basketball. Not, and that's just a lie. Yeah. Daryl, not every, like 
not every person in the league is going to turn into Daryl Morey, like a Daryl Morey disciple. That's like, it's not what has happened. And the league is better for that. That is true. But it was, that was never really, I think on the table. I think most people don't really like, like the way Daryl Morey designed his basketball teams in some way, right? Like the Houston version. Yeah. They definitely don't like the James Harden of it. Which I, I mean, but uh, the way Daryl Morey's team right now is playing is nothing like the way that Harden played. So even, you know what I mean? Like even, even that is, has evolved. So it's just, it's a fun moment, I think. Yes. All right. My last one. Uh, I just like that we're in the players in this era of players doing good. Larry Nance Jr. You know, is in the headlines this week for some work he's doing down in New Orleans, fighting its food insecurity. He's been doing a ton of stuff dating back to the COVID year in Cleveland. LeBron has obviously done this. A ton of other guys have. Brenda, I think of sports teams and their communities in, in, in this country as communal goods in a lot of ways. Like they are part of the fabric of our communities in a lot of ways. I think we're I think it's important when guys put their name on something and go back and do something that is benefiting people. And I just like that we're in an era where we're seeing these communal fabrics I think strengthen between the NBA and and, and its players in particular more than ownership. I think that is just a cool thing in in this overall kind of era of sports advocacy that I'm glad that we're getting that I mean in women's basketball but also men's basketball um so I I just am it's cool to see that in real time and see what these guys are willing to put their money and time and energy into and not everyone's obviously going to do it but I think yeah I think I think I think it's it's another thing to kind of watch with this next generation to go back to some of the aunt and everybody else talk that we had earlier on in this is how do they pick up that baton, right? LeBron and Katie and different guys, Curry who have gone out of their way to, to be outspoken on things or just be brands, but make that more than just a money-making endeavor like what happens next and i think the fact that you're seeing these other guys i want also another example of this is aaron gordon in terms of really purposeful Mm -hmm. stuff he's done a lot of stuff with like um young kids of color in stem in different communities that he's played in especially orlando and i like it i mean who am i to say i'm not saying that not doing it this way is some sort of problem with me or something but i i appreciate maybe as like a journalist or whatever is being incredibly purposeful about it, you know, mm-hmm. not just like everybody can do a camp. That idea has been around forever. You know, Dominique Wilkins probably had a camp. It's not that that's not helpful, but it's like you have more money, you have more resources, you have more awareness of this stuff. So like identify an issue that's personal to you, get people in your camp that can actually work on it and be able to, to make a real change. And, you know, I, my last job before doing blogging about sports media, which is much less uh, impactful career path that I've taken since is we worked with a lot of athletes on this stuff and did like entrepreneurship seminars and, and giving back seminars, financial literacy, a lot of this stuff with different athletes and they're asking cool questions. And you can tell that people like LeBron really made an impact. Like I, you know, sat, got to hear scoot talk through what he wants to do in, in Georgia and, like you can like LeBron's name came up verbatim multiple times as an inspiration for what he wants to do. Like I heard Dyson Daniels say 
there's not enough care about like black and indigenous people in Australia and he wants yeah. to like do more for them. And Patty Mills, you know, is a trailblazer for that stuff. And he mentioned Patty Mills. Like you can see that the, the younger athletes are, are watching and, and that is very cool to see. I mean, and I think in terms of like mental health, DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love talking about it as openly as they have. I, I did a story about this when Kevin Love left Cleveland, like the, the people that, you know it impacted them in a real way. Like, you know it has, like, them talking about this and making it human is just such a big deal. It's just such yeah. such a big deal. I mean, if people see, like, tonight on Tuesday, as we're recording this, the Suns are playing on their in-season tournament court with their City Edition jerseys, and it's all centered around Hispanic culture, and it says El Valle, which is the valley in Spanish, and Devin Booker is, like, one of the only Mexican-American NBA players ever. And he's become really close with a lot of like community leaders in that space here in Phoenix, which is like a complete missed opportunity if you're not doing that because this state is made up in large part of Hispanic people. And, you know, he's he's made a dent there. So you can definitely tell that it matters, which is the best thing, you know, to say is everybody's going to do it their own way. And it's not an obligation, but it's like, hey, it's it's on their minds. They're not just like, yeah, give me my 60 million and shut up, you know, which I think is how NBA players get portrayed sometimes. Yes. Do you have do you have any more? I do not. I'm only thankful for four things. <laughs> I'm thankful That's for it. you, Brendan. That's my thing. Look at that. Thank, thankful for our production team. Thankful for our friends at Just Sports. We're doing good stuff. Feeling good about it. Same. Can I can I ask you one I have one Thanksgiving question for you. Okay. What's your favorite kind of what's your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? Uh, I have two. Okay, that's fine. Pecan pie. I say pecan, yeah. sorry. Um, and pecan? pecan would be, you know, like, I think that's how they say it in the South. That's like probably the more ac- accurate version. And my aunt makes this uh, awesome fruit salad that mm. is like yogurt. So it's like a creamier fruit salad, yogurt and walnuts and like strawberries, grapes. And it's just always, it really has no bearing. It doesn't have a lot of like Thanksgiving-ish food in it, but she just has always made it as a Thanksgiving thing. So I associate it. So that would be up there too, but that's, that's more a me thing. But those are my, that, those would be my picks. That's also, that's also going to be like a nice counter to like all the f- other food you're eating the rest of the day. Yeah, it's an it's like and you can just have like a little scoop of it. It's not like you're committing to a whole pie slice after you've just been like yeah. gorging yourself all night. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the right it's it's the perfect little cherry on top. There's no cherries in it, but it is the cherry on top. Apple pie for me. Classic. Yeah, classic. Got a apple ice pie. cream, no ice cream. I'll, t- I'll anyway, you know, I'm not going to it's not a it's not a must, but I'll take okay. it if it's there. I'll take whipped cream if warm. It's there warm yeah okay yeah that's yeah. the way to do it gotta, ice cream melts a little yeah Pot, give me the yeah, yeah. gotta be warm gotta be warm give me a cup of coffee with that we're 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 off the mm. we're off to like a like a great 45 minute nap after that just good <laughs> nice wonderful yeah. everybody knows what you're going to be up to in about 48 hours yeah 100 percent. i'll watch some football but there's no basketball that day can eat i'm running five miles in the morning i'm gonna earn my always food, good yeah yeah yeah. All right, let's end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. 
back at you next week with more of your favorite, hopefully favorite, twice weekly basketball podcast. We'll see you soon. 